You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. You've provided this place that we get to gather in. Um, You've provided your word that we have it in front of us that we might hear from you this morning. And God, as we enter into this historical document written some 2,000 years ago in a very different culture and time, as much as it, it was very much for them, it also is your living, in, uh, God-breathed, enduring word. And it has authority for our lives as well today to speak into the direction of our life. And the way in which we should go and what we should prioritize and how we should live as well. And so from the example of your son, Paul, and to the church in Philippi, we want to receive that this morning. We want to um, walk in these truths. We want to become more like Christ. We want to also strive to become more like Christ, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on towards you and your kingdom coming. Uh, We love you, Lord. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, if you haven't already appreciated this in our time, I think you will today, and I think you have before if you've been with us, that what's so great about Paul, I appreciate his writing style and the way he writes and how it comes off, is that what Paul always says is something he's always lived out himself. He's never saying something that doesn't come from like a deep personal experience. Right? He's not just saying these things because they're these good, lofty ideas. Like, he has already walked them out himself. He's already learned these lessons the hard way, or he's already understood its value because of what he's gone through. And if you didn't know, like, context is important here. Paul had a really bad past pre-Christ, pre-salvation, pre-Jesus, Pre this letter, Paul was like a bad dude. And last week, he, he, he mentioned it a bit. He was a persecutor of the church. He wasn't like a pastor. He wasn't a church planner. He wasn't a supporter of the church. He wasn't this at all. He was the opposite. He was actually a really zealous. He, he would say, I was the most zealous persecutor of God's church. I wanted it to end. And in some ways, that's what he was trying to do in the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, who was the person standing next to the first martyr, Stephen? It was Paul. He was front row seat to killing the first Christian. What did he do? He tried to round up Christians. He tried to end the work of God. He had a really bad past. But what we see is that God, in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, on, when he's on the road to Damascus, Syria, trying to round up Christians, trying to end churches before they begin, trying to stop this movement, God miraculously saves him. Paul, I mean, miraculously, God says, Paul, at the time his name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus, now he's Paul the Apostle, had this change of life. He said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And there's this miraculous, like God blinds him and then he opens his eyes. And Paul, like, does a complete 
a 180. I mean, you talk about that. You, you hear people's testimonies or maybe even your own testimony of like, once I was this and now I'm this. I was lost and now I'm found. This is what I did before. This is what I am now. Paul is like right up there in the top transformative lives by Christ. He's in the top of the list. Because he turned from the most passionate, dedicated, like, persecutor of the church to now he's like the most dedicated carrier and promoter of the church. He's absolutely a complete 180. That's why, like, when Paul writes something about, like, forgetting what is behind and striving for what's ahead, he's not just saying that because he's had this, like, cushy life of allowing also, I mean, Always growing up in the church, and I pretty much was a good kid my whole life. Paul's like, dude, there is so much that I've done. There is so much pain I've caused. There is so much hurt. I have sinned so great. That's why I appreciate his writing, though, because he's authentic, and he's really honest and aware of his past. He's not sugarcoating any of it. But he's really also honest how he's been saved, how he is a product of God's grace and his, God's redemption. Like that he has been changed by Jesus. And it wasn't his doing. It was just him surrendering. And God did all the work. And he is very honest in that he is a new creation. And he's a work in progress. And he's not perfect. He is very honest that he is a, very much a work in progress and has a lot of growing still to do. So that's why, like, sometimes you read the letters of Paul in the New Testament, and you're like, ooh, Paul, that's, like, pretty strong, or, like, whatever. I'm like, but if you only knew where he came from, he's like, this is way toned down. Right? And I think we can think that a lot of each other. Like, oh, man, I wish they were just kinder. I'm like, do you know his past? This is, like, Mother Teresa compared to what he was. Right? And so what I love, though, is when we're reading this letter, this is an historical actual letter that was written by a person to a people and there's this context in history and so if you are like getting a letter from Paul the apostle early on you were very skeptical because you're like wait a second is this the same guy that would just was rounding up Christians and killing Christians but now he's starting churches. Like there was a lot of skepticism. And there was time that he had to prove that it was genuine. But again, what we see in Paul's writings here again today, we see authenticity. We see awareness of his past. But then we see this honesty of where he's been brought. And that there's still work to be done. It's beautiful. So today, Paul... I think there's just two things mainly in our text today that he's trying to, he's confessing and he's teaching us or he's trying to teach us. Number one is that we should move beyond our pasts and pursue Christ's plan for our lives. We should move beyond our pasts and all that they are and pursue Christ's plan for our lives. And number two is that we should continually press on to become more like Christ and strive to live into his kingdom. Again, Paul didn't say these things from a lack of experience or just like, ah, you should follow Jesus now. This is what you should do. But he's coming from a life 
that he's been intimately acquainted from living far from God, and now he's attempting the best he can to live near to God. Paul by no means is a superhero or an anomaly. He, he's just honest about where he was. He's a surrendered person, and he's trying desperately to follow Jesus and live for God. That's it. He's just doing it in pretty, like, alpha, entrepreneurial, passionate, loud ways. God uses him that way. But that's what he is. And so Paul's first word for us today, again, is that we should move beyond our past and pursue Christ's plans for our lives. This is what that means for you and I today. Is to allow God's forgiveness and grace to cover our past. To move on from whatever and however we used to live for, and to turn to live for Christ's work instead of our own. And for some of us in this room, this resonates, I mean this, um, for some of us in this room, this idea may be a bit foreign, because maybe you're just younger and you grew up in the church, and like you didn't really have like too much of a gnarly pre-Christ life. Right? Paul was pretty black and white. Like, I had this whole life that was really wayward and really sinful and really destructive. And then there was this moment, there's a definitive moment that it changed. And now I have this whole different life. But some of us here, that may be foreign because we don't have that same type of life. That, that might not be our story. But I think for even a lot of us that maybe grew up in church, there might be, you know, seasons when you were younger where you didn't fully grasp the fullness of what the gospel meant or what church meant or what faith meant. Or maybe it was your parents' faith or you went to church because your grandparents or parents brought you or auntie and uncle brought you. And there's probably seasons where your walks and your faith weren't really too serious. And there was a definitive moment. Maybe it was... Maybe it was younger, maybe it was college, maybe it was young adult, maybe it was later in life that it changed. There was this, like, you have a past and you had a way of life before, and then you truly surrendered or gave your life or something changed. And so Paul is speaking into that to say, regardless of if your past is, like, mine or not, lay that down and strive for what's ahead. But for some of us in here... Paul's past and Paul's life might really resonate with us. We might be like, oh yeah, that's, dude, I totally get that. Totally get that. We might more resonate with Paul in that we were pretty far off. Right? Some of us in here today, maybe like we were atheists. We, we hated God. We, we didn't care about God. We, um, our lives were lived however we wanted, whenever we wanted. Right? With no cares. Of what God in the Bible said. It's a lot of, that's a lot of people. I didn't care at all. If anything, I wanted to do more. How, how much can I get more? What can I do to, to give me more pleasure and more happiness in the moment? And just do whatever I want, whenever I want. And perhaps, so perhaps the word today from Paul is uh, maybe just what you needed to hear. Because in one way or another, right, all of us have maybe a past, pre-Christ or pre-really following Christ, right? And if this is you today, 
Especially if you've had, like, again, I don't want to compare, like, how gnarly your past was or how sinful your past was. But for some of us in here, regardless of, you know, how, how wayward we are, were or whatever, there's this thing that happens when you come to know Jesus that the enemy or the flesh can do that wants to just keep you in the past. It's a real thing. Like, this is not God. God doesn't want that. By his grace, you're forgiven and he wants you to walk in new life. But the enemy, the flesh, the world, whatever it may be, reminds you often of your past and you're just walking still in shame. This happens a lot to a lot of us, regardless of your past. And for many of us, we may have that turning point where we know Jesus, we follow Jesus, and like we love the Lord, but we may not fully walk in his forgiveness and newness. And a lot of times it's like not forgiving ourselves. You know what I mean? Because we still recall or we still, you know, are triggered by something or there's like a memory or there's an old friend or there's an old acquaintance or an old boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is that triggers that later in life and all this shame and stuff can perhaps come back. Paul is directly speaking to this kind of stuff today. Because the truth of the matter is, if, if we do just live in the past and stay in the past and dwell and don't really walk in forgiveness and grace and mercy and newness of life, life, what will happen is we won't move forward and we won't live into this victorious, abundant Christian life we all should. Just get stuck in the past. Get stuck in the stuff I did or my, my, my um, you know, the stuff I did. And, you know, studying this this week, it reminded me of, like, when I grew up, I played a lot of sports. And different sports. And it's obviously great when you win. You have a lot of confidence for the next game because you're on a winning streak or you're playing well. But if you just lost a big game or you're on a losing streak and you just dwell on that, what's going to happen the next game? You're not going to play well. You're not going to have confidence. Like, you're going to keep losing. You have to shift your mindset, right? If, if you're in sports, like if it's baseball or soccer or whatever it is. You have to go, hey, regardless of what happened, we need to, like, have confidence in our ability and our training and our practice and our team, and we just have to play right now here. And then what happens is you start winning games because you know, don't dwell in the past. You don't dwell on the loss, right? Anyone that's played any type of sport, you know this. Dwelling on your losses and just wallowing in loss will keep you losing. But if you change it, then you're going to see scoreboard. Scoreboard's going to change. And a lot's going to change out of that. And this is the same idea here with life and also with Jesus. If you always are dwelling in the past and you're always on all this stuff that you've done and you're honestly not allowing God's forgiveness to come— you're going to stay, like, in not receiving this abundant, victorious, wonderful, grace-filled, merciful life. And again, this may be the hardest thing to do, but this is the very most beautiful part of the gospel. Like, this is the beautiful part of the gospel that he exchanges, like, mourning for dancing. Beauty for ashes. He restores the years the locusts have eaten. I mean, this is the gospel. The old passed away. The new has come like we're new creations. 
Paul, like he does, he repeats themes in different letters to different people. He says this in 2 Corinthians, right, to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. That's why there's this very Christianese term that's born again. You're like, what does that even mean? The whole idea of being a born-again Christian is literally your life is born again. Start afresh. Start new. You're spiritually born again. The old has passed. The new has come. Walk in new life. Like This is the gospel. This is the beauty of the gospel. And Paul is like declaring, like, there, this is a beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. Forget what lies behind. Strive for what's ahead. This is Paul. This is what he's saying. And again, so Paul's word to these Christians then and for us now is like, forget the past. Strive towards the life that Christ has for us now and in the future. So if we were to be contemplative for a second, this is what we should ask ourselves hearing that point one. What does that look like for us? What are each of us, myself including, holding on to? What is holding us back from walking in all that God has? Like, is there stuff that we just aren't, are just like still regretting? Still haven't surrendered? Still, right? Because God wants to heal and set free and bring, and bring restoration and redemption to all areas. And again, he, here the author is Paul. He, he would call himself the chief of sinners. Like he won the, the sinning game. And he said, even if God can save and redeem and heal me and make, he can do it for you. That's, this preach, he's preaching, he's a preacher, he's preaching through this sermon. This is the whole point. So, Right, because what's holding us back from walking in all that God has and what's holding us back from like becoming more like Christ and walking more in his attributes and receiving all that he has for us. So right, if forgetting the past is the start or surrendering the past or allowing God to forgive your past, whatever wordage you want to use, that's the start. Then Paul says, well, striving for Christ is the next part. Here's point two today. Point two is once we kind of surrender and, 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 and surrender the past and ask God to forgive and we receive that forgiveness, we should continually now press on to become more like Christ and strive to live into his kingdom. And this is really important because I think Sometimes we get it wrong. Like, we say a prayer, we're saved. We're good, right? The past is forgiven. You're like, okay, but also beginning of a new life. There's a whole other life now. Yes, you're a new creation, but you're the start. This is the start of a journey with Jesus. Because being a Christian, again, isn't just a one-time decision that you just cruise. It's meant to be a lifelong pursuit of our lives becoming more like the life of Jesus. The whole point is that, okay, we're saved. Okay, we said the prayer. Okay, so now the goal is to decrease 
our selfish, sinful ways and to increase in the way of Jesus. Again, the, the whole point that Paul's making here is no one can say, I've arrived. I've made it. I'm the perfect Christian. Right? You can be a believer for 70 years and I guarantee you, you still have lots to learn and things to change. We're all works in progress. That shouldn't be depressing. That should be encouraging. It shouldn't be like, oh, I'm never going to be perfect. Yeah, sorry. That's Jesus. We're not in heaven. This is a fallen, sinful, broken world. We're all susceptible to sin. We're all works in progress. Like, none of us are superheroes. None of us are perfect. That's Jesus. He's perfect. We're not. We're just striving to become more like him. Best we can. So it doesn't mean that we just like give up and stay the same way. Christianity is actually supposed to be this active pursuit of a life to become more like Jesus. And so even Paul, right, he uses these words today. He said, even me, and to be honest, he, he was the best example they had at the time. Christianity was like, a decade or two old at the time. This is not a global movement. This is a very regional movement. It's moving global. There's not a lot of examples. There's no commentaries and seminaries and like podcasts. and There's no great examples of what it means to follow Jesus. Paul's the best they got. And he said, he's like, I haven't even obtained it yet, yet I strive towards Christ in all I do. That is the key. That's the key. Paul's very aware. Like Jesus did all the work. He's perfect. I'm not, but I'm continually striving to become more like him. But again, that's not passive at all. It's very active in nature. Right? Christianity in general and our personal relationship with Jesus is meant to be active, participatory. Like you're not supposed to sit on the sidelines. You're not just supposed to be like, well... I think if I just come to church 48 out of 52 Sundays a year, I think I'll just magically be a perfect human. You're like, okay, well, that's good. That's a start. And that's part of it. But it's this active pursuit of, like, surrendering and, like, living for God and, like, wanting to live for him more than the things in the world. You know what I mean? It's active and it's participatory and it's constant. As Christians... We're always meant to grow. We're always meant to change, and we're always meant to learn. Like, even by nature, when you say, like, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I know we don't really use that word that much in, like, modern culture. But what you're saying is you're saying, I'm a student. I'm an apprentice. By nature, you're saying I'm a learner. It's a huge part of what a local church and Christianity and Christian culture is supposed to be. Is there's supposed to be a bunch of learners about, around a teacher. You know who that teacher is? It's rabbi. Rabbi, Jewish word for teacher. King Jesus. Rabbi Jesus. He's our rabbi. He's our teacher. We're students. We learn. We soak in all that he is and we continue to live for him. Like this is the way of the Christian. We're always meant to grow. We're always meant to change. We're always meant to learn. We're not supposed to be like, I've arrived. I'm good. I'm, a, I'm, I'm this, you know, I'm this spiritual. I pray this much. It's like, no, we're always supposed to be willing to grow and willing to learn. 
Because as a Christian, like our goal, we should be going into Monday. I, I know we might not think this, but let's try it. I know there's like to-do lists a mile long, even before Monday. Meal prep, and I got to do the laundry, and I got to get everything ready before Monday. But let's just talk about Monday, okay? Our, our goal, not just Monday, but every day should be, how can my life honor Christ more? Actually, put that on your to-do list. You guys do to-do lists? I got like notes. I got a big to-do list. Put it on your, how can I, yes, emails, yes, bills to pay, yes. Okay, yes, I, they'll all be there. Trust me, they'll all be there. How can I honor Christ more with my life? Dwell on that. Keep that on the to-do list, right? And also, it should be, as a Christian, we should always be like, how can my life make more of an impact? How can I reach more people for Jesus with my life? That, that should also be like a, a part of what we should strive to do. But here's the secret. It's not a secret, but <laughs> I think we complicate it. Here's what Paul's getting at. The more we individually become like Jesus... The more that each of us just become like Jesus, little by little, works in progress, we're not perfect, but we try. The more we'll honor God, and the more impact we'll have, and honestly, personal change will have massive kingdom effects. Again, I said this a lot, but how did, how is the gospel spread to the whole earth? You know how it started? <laughs> Twelve very imperfect, unqualified men. Jesus spent three years with them. You're like, what do you mean? Like, that's, that's the way in which God, God used imperfect people willing to follow him to change the world. And little by little, they just became more like him. And they were totally messed up. And they denied him and they betrayed him and you name it. But that's how God changed the world. Through people that were just surrendered, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and willing to just say my life is no longer my own. I'm submitted to Christ. I want to honor God with my life, and I want to see his kingdom come. And the world changed. <laughs> and 2,000 years later, halfway around the world, we are recipients of people before us that have done this. There's no superhumans in this genealogy. Outside of Jesus, there's no special abilities. Paul himself, again, was the chief of sinners. And God used him to transform the whole world because he was willing to forget what lies behind, strive for what's ahead, and desire to become more like Jesus. No secrets there, but a lot easier said than done, right? So application point, I just have a, four questions I'm going to leave you with take a snapshot of the screen or write them down. Again, this is for you and I this week to pray over, to think about, to take to God. Number one is, what areas of our lives need to be more Christ-like? What areas of our lives just need to be more like Jesus? Right? Start there. Number two, what parts of our character right, need the most work? We're, we're all, again, we're all, like, we all, this is not, like, signaling out anyone. 
we all are like, oh, let me, let me think about this. Because we all are in need to become more like Jesus. Number three, what areas need to be surrendered to Jesus? Right, because some of us, we just haven't even gone there. We haven't given that over. We haven't taken those areas and said, God, I don't want to hold this anymore. Take this. I'm not supposed to be holding it anyway. Please be Lord over this or forgive me of this or restore me here or take whatever it is to the Lord. But I know for a lot of us, we haven't even done that. So maybe that's the opportunity in the second set of worship is just to come in an attitude of surrender to the Lord of your pastor, of that stuff. And lastly, I'll leave it here. What stuff in our lives need to change in order to honor God and see his kingdom come? What stuff needs to change? Like what, what areas aren't honoring God? Are we willing to allow the Lord to meet us and change us in those areas and to see God's kingdom come? You know, that's, that's huge, ethereal, like big idea. But all that that really means is that God wants to move in the world. He wants to save. He wants to heal. He wants to redeem. He wants you to love people. He wants you to extend grace to people. In what areas are you not engaging, hindering, or not allowing, or not even asking? Right? Again, these are just a few questions to prompt us to take them to the Lord. But in Paul's example, uh, I encourage you this morning to heed the words of Paul, to forget the past, strive for what's ahead, and none of us have obtained it yet, but let's continue to become more like Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for <clears throat> the example of your servant, Paul, that displays the gospel so beautifully. God, thank you that None of us in this room are too far off or too sinful or too dirty or you don't know what I've done. God, thank you that you say, I do and I love you still. I do know what you've done and I forgive you still. I do know what you've done and I extend my grace and mercy to you. Walk in newness of life now. Well, thank you. That's the truth. That's the truth of your heart. That's the truth of your word. That's the truth of your character. <laughs> that you are a God that loves us unconditionally. There's not conditions attached to your love. We don't have to get right first and then come to you. You come to us. You came to us and you get us right. God, thank you for your grace that sustains us daily. That even though we daily wander and fall and sin and oh, thank you that you continually love us and forgive us and, and draw us back God through these next few worship songs this next time of worship we just ask that we'd meet with you that you would do heart work in us that you would um, God we don't want to live we don't want to stay bogged down 
with what's happened prior. We want to we want to experience abundant life, your abundant life, as we walk um, forward in life. So we love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.